You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Search your podcast app for Locked On to get podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, and fantasy sports. We are here for you on a post-trade deadline fun Friday. A lot of questions. A lot of questions about where the Hornets are and where they are going. And we will try to start to answer them and probably ask a few more questions on the way. I'm Doug Branson. I cover the team for FanRagSports.com. I'm joined by my friend, the man, the myth, the legend from the mean streets of Cotswold, David Walker. We made it, everybody. We did it. We made it past the trade deadline. Everyone is still here. Everyone is still awake. Everyone is still alive. We did it, you guys. Well, the Hornets, I mean, the, the, the team is still here. No one right. except for Johnny O'Brien, R.I.P. R.I.P. Shouts to J.O.B. Shouts to Johnny O. You know that's going up. R.I.P. Trade rumors, Doug, for this year. Not to wait till the off season. I feel bad for our friend uh, producer Kurt at Hornets Gifts on Twitter. This was his. <laughs> this was his everything. This was his holy time. He was he was on that trade machine, and now um, it's like Christmas has passed, and and you got to figure out what to do. Uh, with the with the rest of your year. Uh, so this has been a fun week. Uh, we're going to talk about the trade deadline in just a second. We're also going to talk about Kemba Walker making the all-star team. It only took three injuries for the NBA to finally come to its senses that Kemba Walker deserves to be an all-star. We'll discuss that. Plus, the Hornets played last night in Portland. It was a loss, an overtime loss, close game. We'll give you the recap here in a few moments, but let's start With the trade deadline, it has come and gone. The Hornets got involved on Wednesday dealing Johnny O'Brien and two second-round draft picks for Nick Center. Is it Willie? Is it Billy? We're still not entirely sure, but we know the last name, Hernan Gomez, 6'11", center from New York. Kimball Walker, Dwight Howard, Nick Batum, and Marvin Williams, all part of Hornets' trade discussions and rumors. They remain in teal and purple. And for the second straight year, David... That second deal that everyone thought was coming from the Hornets does not come. Quick thoughts on the Hornets' performance at the trade deadline. Yeah, anytime you think that second move is definitely going to come, uh, don't be so sure about that because it, it may not. I mean, uh, you know, they uh, they were clearly had suitors. I mean, if, if you're to believe Woj, and we all do, I mean, as late as yesterday around midday, the Cavaliers were still trying to work out something to get Kimball Walker in there. And then quickly that reshaped into Cleveland shipping out half of their team to various West coast teams and, and and revamping their roster. So that pretty much put that to bed. Um, I take away from that, Doug, one that Cleveland did not want to depart with that. uh, did not want to send that Brooklyn pick out. And also that Charlotte was not just going to take some spare parts to move Kimba and also that nobody wanted to probably take Nick Batum. I mean, we don't know what the specifics were, but clearly they couldn't come to an agreement because not much traction took place. And past that, you know, it kind of played out like we thought it would, Doug. Like we had talked about leading up to the trade deadline, there was just too many big pieces. The contracts were too ugly for most people to swallow, even take on Kimball Walker. 
And, and there are very few teams that either had the ability or the desire to do so. So it's going to be very hard to work something like that out. And I know some people wanted a full reset. I think the vocal majority wanted Kemba to stay, so I'm sure they're happy. But now they've still got some things to do, you know, leading up to the offseason and the draft because as it stands, not much is going to change between now and next trade deadline if they don't figure out some way to, I guess, wiggle out some wiggle out of some of these. Yeah, David, I mean, on the positive side, Kemba Walker is still a Charlotte Hornet, and now he is an all-star, and that's going to make – uh, most fans of this team happy, especially the ones that you know pay to see uh, the Hornets in Spectrum Center yeah. and stay up to watch them on television for West Coast road trip games. You know, yes. This team, and we'll get into this Portland rec- recap, but that game's a disaster without Kimba Walker. I mean, that <laughs> game was a perfect showcase of what this team would be without their centerpiece in in Kimba Walker. Uh, so that's a positive. Uh, the the other positive is that the the organization did stick to its word, and and not yeah. they did not panic and move Kimba Walker without that high price tag coming back. Not only I mean there were a lot of rumors about what they wanted in return for Kimba, but they also wanted to move salary. So it's like again, they were in this position where okay, if we're going to move Kimba, we've got to get something big in return and. We've we've got to be able to put ourselves in a good position to rebuild rebuild around that piece, and, and I think that's a smart strategy. It's just there was not a team out there that was desperate enough, and and so many teams. David bailed out the Cleveland Cavaliers, bailed out LeBron James again. This seems to happen every couple of years, and I look at these deals that were done to reshape the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I'm like, what are you guys doing? Why do we always help LeBron James make the NBA Finals? Why? Like, what well, we is going on? we know what the Lakers on? are doing. You know uh, what I mean? Do I mean, we? Yes. Yeah, they're they're clearing space. They now have two slots for max guys. I mean, the Cavaliers may have helped the Lakers sign LeBron. <laughs> if, it, if it works out that way, we'll see. But, but yeah, I mean, they made a ton of of moves. Um, but I mean, that's what the Lakers were definitely trying to do. Unload some of those bigger contracts. By the way, uh, also a positive for the Hornets. They do get Hernan Gomez, who again has uh, among the, the NBA sort of thought leaders. He has his strong backers, Zach Lowe, a big fan of Hernan Gomez's game. Uh, he's, he's, he is 24 years old. Uh, but he is early into his NBA career, and he has shown promising things. It's a piece that won't have immediate impact, but it's a relatively cheap piece uh, that that could be powerful for them uh, in the coming years, depending on what they do around next season's draft and, and moving forward. What kind of salary could they move out or, or options could they open up for Hernan Gomez to play, or could they move Hernan Gomez Uh, later on down the line. So we'll have to see how that develops. On the negative side, as you said, David, they don't do anything significant to help their playoff chances. And uh, they they added money, which is like the one thing that we said that they probably should not do. It was not a significant amount of money. They are not going to be taxpayers this season, uh, but it's going to further, unless they can move money again around the uh, around the offseason, that they're not going to be able to maneuver much to help improve a team that right now looks like they're headed for a, an early uh, an early visit home. 
So those yep. are the positives. Those are the negatives. By the way, the earliest that Hernan Gomez would be available to play is Sunday. But unless the Hornets are getting blown out or they're crushing a team, I just don't expect to see him play all that much, David. I, I don't see where the minutes are because there, there were not minutes for Johnny O'Brien. Right. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, Cho said uh, we'll figure it out. Clifford will figure it out and he'll, he'll, he'll figure out the minutes. So this will be an interesting one to see where he fits in, how he fits in. I mean, do you consider this basically not a nothing move, but impact wise, they did bring on a little bit of money. Um, but overall, you know, without in a terms of their move, playoff chances, they, I'm sorry for cutting you off, David. We're getting complaints. Uh, See, hey, I gotta watch guys. myself. I, I'm I'm all I'm pacing space, baby. I'm trying to I'm trying to move this Jamo on. I'm trying to move this thing along. No, uh, I think um, I think this is yes. It's a it's a nothing deal in terms of does it help their playoff chances? Right. No. And I know there's some listeners out there going, well, what does it matter if it it hurts their playoff chances? They need to be moving in another direction anyway. Well, right now, the way they're constructed. They need to make the playoffs. Like that's that's got to be the goal when you have as much money invested. <clears throat> excuse me, and so many veterans, you need to be making the playoffs. And right now, they are heading in the wrong direction. David, when you look at the deals that happened over the trade deadline, were there any missed opportunities for the Hornets? Did you see a deal that you went, "Oh my God, why didn't the Hornets sort of get involved there?" I think the one that pops up was the last one. Was it the last one that happened at the end of the day yesterday? The Alfred Payton yes, to it was Phoenix. Close. For, yeah, it was close to being Yeah, it was really one. close to the deadline, which maybe tells you something about it. But they sent Alfred Payton, who is their starting point guard, right, in Orlando, uh, and yes. still a young player, uh, out to Phoenix for one second-round pick. Just Uno. one second-round pick. Of, of course, the Hornets, I don't know that they would have been able to do that, Doug, because they would have had to have shipped out a salary – to still stay under the tax, right, so right? right, so yes, Alfred Payton was making about four million dollars, mm. so they would have had to find some way to move. Like Johnny O'Brien, I think was making a million or so. Like it, it which it I guess they could have done because the Knicks they basically did that. The Knicks waived them. I, I don't know about the specifics, but it was it wasn't an exact same deal, but it feels like pretty close. Right, so they would have had. I don't know if I didn't punch it in the trade machine, but I don't know if the uh, MCW for for Alfred would have worked. But yes, I mean you look at that one and go you know the Hornets could ser- uh, look, they they are they are enjoying Michael Carter Williams defense, but you look at that Portland game last night and they sure could have used a second offensive threat alongside Frank Kaminsky with Jeremy Lamb struggling from the field, somebody that could attack from the point guard position and and give Kemba Walker some time off. Uh, so yeah, I, I think I'm the same way that that's definitely uh, one of the ones that, uh, that I think got away. I love, you know, I love, I love the, what the Cavaliers did by the way. So we got yeah. these reports that the, the front office had slammed the door shut on LeBron James. We're not listening to you anymore. We're going to take this team in the direction that we think it should go in. And what do they do? They do everything that probably LeBron would have wanted them to do. In terms of they got they went out and got uh, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance, Rodney mm-hmm. Hood. They got George Hill. George they Hill. basically reshaped the the entire team. But then the best part is they shipped Dwayne Wade to Miami for nothing for a a heavily protected 
second round pick that I think uh, is what twenty seventy two. I think second round pick something <laughs> in those lines. We'll all be we'll all be reading each other's minds by the time that uh, that second round pick happens. Yeah, they may have the ability to draft one of LeBron's sons uh, by the time that was no through. the the player that they draft will be born on the moon. That is <laughs> that is how far into the future it is. But I love this because it's 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 the management of the, this is how I see it. Highly speculating here, but this is how I interpret this: is that all right, LeBron? We're going to do everything you want us to do, but we got to show you that we're still in command. So we're going to kick your buddy over the cliff. Like it, it reminded me like of a like a Game of Thrones type of scene where they bring LeBron James in and they they say. Okay, King, we're giving you everything you want, and then they bring his friend in and just kick him over the cliff. Well, I think that just to I mean, show who's really <laughs> the boss. Well, I think they, you know, short of changing up their entire roster, which is they came pretty close to doing. I mean, that was the talk leading up to the trade deadline was there was something just structurally wrong in there, like the culture wasn't good. That, that nothing was fitting uh, and, you know, there was something inherently wrong and broken with that locker room. And they did their, they, they did their all to try and fix that. I mean, they did ship out Isaiah Thomas and Dwayne Wade uh, and brought in some guys that like, you're not going to build around necessarily, but I think, I don't I mean, they didn't protect, they, they did a little more to protect themselves. One, mostly by keeping the Brooklyn pick if LeBron were to leave. So they were not going to give that up, which was good for the team. Um, and now they just kind of kind of wait and see. But like I said, the Lakers opened up two big max spots that they can sign people. So this offseason is, is still going to be interesting. But I thought they did more for themselves than they did for necessarily LeBron. But it was Dwayne Wade was making $2.3 million and it was a one-year deal. Like there was no there was no reason that was for him. There was he no reason to move Dwayne Wade other than but there's guy. still, but the, what was for him? How was that for Dwayne Wade? Yeah. Like they were, he asked. I think I'm pretty sure he wanted to go back. I know he wanted to go. I know Gabriel Union wanted to go back. You think he asked? You don't think that Dan Gilbert said, LeBron, I'm going to make you watch as I kick your friend to back, back to, to Miami? Miami. He didn't send him, he didn't send him to, but, uh, but he's not going to win a know. championship. He's not going to win a championship <laughs> no. in Miami. No, but he's going to go down there and retire. So like LeBron, LeBron, we're going to give you every opportunity to win a, to win a ring. But you can't bring your friends along, and they kicked him over the cliff. Yeah, I think they realized that maybe that wasn't helping things. <laughs> maybe that wasn't the best way to go. And now Dwayne Wade used to go home and wear the Miami Vice uh, Heat uniform. Last question, David. Mm-hmm. Was this trade deadline actually exciting, or was it just Twitter exciting? Because I think it oh, was no. just Twitter exciting. I think you if you, if you were on Twitter. And you were following along, and you you had Woj alert and Shams alert, then it was exciting. But if you were just a a casual NBA observer and you looked over the landscape, I've got the deals right in front of me here. As I look over the landscape of the deals, this is not a really exciting, other than what Cleveland did. Yeah, I think Kobe Altman was the MVP of trade deadline, and I think Woj may have actually won it. Shams was in the lead for most of the day, but Woj ran away with it. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i don't know it was fun man i thought it was enjoyable because there was always the threat of, of kimba being shipped out i think until all that cleveland title Woj was holding on to it he, he kept reporting it on television like he was just holding on to it like this could still happen i swear what but the it did. kimba move 
Yes, but it didn't. All right. <laughs> speaking of Kemba, he's an all-star. We're going to talk about it. Short break. We'll be right back. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Thoughts on the news about Cody Zeller's injury? That's a tough one, man. I mean, what the f- Dude. He's just injured, man. It's, it's okay. okay. It's Look, just, you know, he's injuries just happen. With an injury. He didn't want <laughs> to get injured, okay, David? But, but uh, sorry, guys, I just had someone jump out in front of my vehicle. That's uh, that was understandable. Only on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, David, it took. Three injuries to Eastern Conference All-Stars, but Kimba Walker finally got the recognition that he deserved and will be an All-Star for the second straight season. Adam Silver announcing that Kimba Walker will replace Kristaps Porzingis, who tore his ACL this week and will be out for the rest of the season. Kimba will play on Team LeBron. He joins Glenn Rice, Alonzo Mourning, and Larry Johnson on the list of multi-time Hornets All-Stars. Alonzo went to two consecutive all-star games and rice went to three consecutive all-star mm. games. So he's so Kemba has one more to go to match Glenn rice. David, we've talked about this a lot on the show. We know that this was the right decision, but even after being snubbed, even if it was late, it was the right decision. But even after being snubbed three times, I think you and I were both doubting a little bit in places that we didn't want to talk about that Adam silver <laughs> would select – we were doubting that, that Adam Silver would select Kimba over yeah. Ben Simmons, Sixers rookie, because the Sixers are are winning. Are you surprised mm-hmm. that Silver went with Kimba? Man, I honestly am surprised. And this was the last Shams alert that I got yesterday. And when I saw the name Kimba Walker pop up, I was like, oh, man. Oh, boy. I know it's – I know it's after the trade deadline, but what just happened? So I was pleasantly surprised to see that, honestly, because yesterday morning, even I'd heard some talk around Blake Griffin, you know, being a being a replacement. That would have been a, a an interesting little story going back to LA as an all-star with another team. So I started to get worried, but I think it was the right decision. It was interesting though, Doug, because in the press release, it was a bit different than the ones mm-hmm. for Dragic and Drummond. Drummond, mm-hmm. that's the other guy. That's the other guy. A little bit different because it didn't say um, that it was selected from the coaches' votes, right? It didn't say that he was the next right. Vote. So this could have been Silver stepping, and and we had discussed this as well that we felt like we were speculating, but we felt like the coaches' vote was probably close between yeah. Kemba Walker, Goran Dragic, and Ben Simmons. And that it could come down eventually to Adam Silver looking at it and making a gut call. And he goes with the veteran in Kimba Walker over Ben Simmons. And Kimba Walker playing on the the team that is that is uh, statistically in the standings, they are worse than the Sixers. But Kimba has been has been so much to the Hornets. That's the thing. I mean, he's yeah. been there. He's been their most valuable player by a mile. And there are, you can just point to so many individual games, including the game last night, even though they lost. But you can point to that game and say, my God, where they would have gotten blown out by 20 plus had Kimba Walker not done the amazing things that he's done all season. Uh, according to StatMuse, 
since the All-Star teams were announced, Kemba has averaged 27.4 points and 5.5 assists on 44.2% from the field and 46% from three. And then, of course, he dropped 40 points last night. Now, Kemba has had to shoulder a lot for the Hornets this season, David. Are you concerned, as a few people are on Twitter, that he's not going to get a major rest during the All-Star break? Oh, great question. Um, So a couple of things on this. If you look at last year, Doug, he played 24 games post-All-Star last year. Again, obviously his first All-Star game. And his numbers actually went up a bit pretty much across the board. Average about two more points. Uh, Assists are about the same. And played a a little bit more minutes-wise as well. So he actually went up. His usage went up. And his three-point percentage was better after the break as well. So certainly not a dip in performance last year. Um, They obviously rely heavily on him. But I just don't know. (laughs) I'm going to be honest. It's a sad notion right here, Doug. I don't know that it matters at at this point. I mean, look at what the Hornets are doing. Uh, Look at these games they're losing. Uh, It doesn't feel like they're going to have that push. So whether or not Kemba is going to be rested or tired, I just don't know that it makes the whole lot hell of a difference at this point i i agree with you on that point and also i i just i'm not sold that the all-star game is going to be that much more competitive than it has been in years past yeah. they're adding I think it's the weekend i think it's just all the all the stuff the extra stuff right? yeah yeah like there's the extra stuff the whatever I, I just blah, blah, blah. it's but it's still it's not the same as as playing 37 minutes in a in an oh, nba God, basketball no. game you know i mean no. he's going to get plenty of it's going to be some some R and R for Kemba Walker. And they, in yeah, Los and they don't play again until. Oh shoot! Let's see here, Doug. They I don't, don't play again. In front of me. Yeah, I mean, the, the, he'll get days off after that, right? Yeah. I think they play again. Let's see Wednesday. Yeah, so not a concern. Yeah, not a concern yeah. uh, not for yeah, for for a variety of reasons. But I think one thing is clear that Kemba Walker, despite being snubbed three times was gracious about the the entire thing and really wanted this you know and he wasn't afraid to to speak about that you know some players will go well yeah you know it's an honor to be selected i'm really focused on winning you know winning for this team and championship and et cetera, et cetera. and and we all know that kimba is focused on that he's fo- he's a winner he's a competitor he wants the hornets you know he's he he is the Charlotte Hornets right now, mm-hmm. but he's not afraid to also say, "Hey, you know, this is a rare thing. They don't select everyone, so uh, it, it's a it's a cool thing to see Kimba Walker getting the recognition again. I think he should have been in from the jump, but and I and, and I think yeah, it would have been had they not been so far down in the standings, obviously. But and which is again, it. which is not his fault. No, no, it's not. I mean, you really, I just don't know how you could lay almost any blame at the feet of Kimba Walker for what's been happening. All right. So that's the, tell us what you think on Twitter at Locked On Hornets about both the trade deadline, what you think about the Hornets, what they did, what they didn't do, and about Kimba Walker making the all-star game. Another short break. We'll be right back. We'll talk about this Portland loss last night. Another close loss for the Hornets. Why? Why, oh, why can they not win a close game? You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Don't sign them to a a $40 million contract. (laughs) Can you shoot? (laughs) 
Well, that hold is on, the caveat. If he on, can shoot, I would, uh, would be good. Get more Hornets analysis on LockedOnHornets.com. All right, David, the Hornets were in Portland last night, and, and we told you in the preview that Portland has not been very kind to the Charlotte Hornets. They have only won six games all time in Portland. I'm not sure they've ever won in Moda Center. I don't think they – I don't. I honestly, I feel like a few years ago I laid, I laid that stat out, that they have not won uh, in Moda Center. I also said that Alan Crabb would be a three-point threat for the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, I've been on a lot of medication uh, trying to battle this sickness, but Alan Crabb was traded by the Portland Trailblazers. Not even sure where, uh, but you know, I pay attention to the Hornets. That's you know, that's my excuse. I don't really follow basketball. Uh, right, uh, I follow the Hornets. I don't follow mm-hmm. basketball. Uh, okay, so this was a second straight game against a pretty good Western Conference team, and. A second straight loss. This one in overtime, 109-103 is the final score. The Hornets were down 17 points. (laughs) I said that as if they could be down 17-something or others. No, they were down 17 points. points. They were down 17 hoops. They were down 17 points with seven to go in the game, and Kimba came in and saved the day once again. He scored or assisted on every basket of a 20-3 Hornets run to tie the game at 95 followed by a Portland basket, and then MKG knocks down the uh, mid-range shot to make it 97-97, and that's how regulation would end. Uh, They lose in overtime. Frank Kaminsky added 17 off the bench, but it was not enough. A lot happened in this game. David, where would you like to start? Oh, man. Yeah, Uh, well, the first thing that comes to mind, honestly, Doug, is you mentioned that 17-point deficit in the fourth quarter. And Kimba then came back in, and I swear to God, when he, when I saw him at the scores table at this juncture of the game, one, it was late here. I was tired, and I was just thinking, why? <laughs> just just leave him on the bench. They have another game tomorrow night. Throw you in know, the towel. Throw in the towel. Find the white flag. <laughs> right? Find I mean, any flag. You, you're thinking about rest. You're thinking about all this other stuff. But, man, he went back in there. And, and completely flipped this game around Amazing. pretty much by himself. I mean, shout out to Frank, who kept them kind of within arm's length uh, by hitting some big shots throughout the game. But Kemba came in there and was special. I mean, that's all you can say about it. He was the best player on the floor by far. He outplayed both McCollum and Lillard uh, in my eyes, even though those, those guys always hit big shots and have, have big plays. But Kemba was unbelievable doing it all by himself. And he was doing it from everywhere uh, some of those really special finishes around the basket, big threes, and it was just honestly a pleasure to watch. And I think in a season like this, that the wins are hard to come by and are super frustrating in the losses. To see a guy like that who is clearly playing at an all-star level was uh, was was fun and fun for a little while. But it just, it, I think when you battle back from 17 and when you battle back as they did in the first quarter, you know, it just takes a lot out of you, and he was clearly gassed. I think they were all gassed in, in overtime and just just not enough to get him over the hump. Yeah, that's a, another bad start for the Hornets who who fall behind early, and, and that was one of our keys to the game. Uh, they were able to battle back and, and finish the half well, something they were not able to do against Phoenix and Denver. It, it cost them against Denver. They were able to fight back in the second half and, and beat Phoenix. Uh, but uh, Kemba did not get off to a great start in this game, and he just couldn't get any help either. Nick Batum, 5 of 15 from the field, 1 of 8 
from beyond the arc. 11 points, did a notch five assist and four steals. Had some, had some yeah, late had game. some big steals lately. Yeah, late, late some late game I mean. steals and uh, only two turnovers for Nick Batum as well. So, yeah, but, you know, the shooting w- was the big issue. And then Jeremy Lamb, three of 11 from the field. Uh, really, co- he was, I mean, it, he had opportunities in overtime oh. and couldn't take advantage of them. And, and, and that really, I think, hurt their chances to win this game as well. But I thought overall, I mean, the Hornets have had a problem defensively the past few games, felt like they played much better defense against Portland, were able to, again, yeah. uh, kind of secure Lillard and McCollum, keep either of those guys. We saw the same thing in the first matchup. They were able to keep both of those guys in check, um, but still not come away uh, with the victory, but this game featured all of the things we're getting too accustomed to seeing from this team in close games, David. Kemba having to save the day and then falling short at the end. He really wasn't able to make plays in overtime either, but what do you want from the guy after what he did in the fourth quarter? Uh, right. Bad turnover with the game on the line, not being yep. able to inbound the ball cleanly to get a decent oh shot to win a game. They had an inbounds, and look, you know they're going to double Kemba, and then I thought Nick Batum was a little too slow getting off of his screen, so they were able to defend that. The ball has to go to Dwight Howard, who throws up a mid-range shot that Nurkic uh, sends back. So, yeah, yeah, tough inbounds. And then and then you got a team in Portland with better one-on-one players. They've got Lillard. They've got mm-hmm. McCollum. That's, those are the guys they're going to go to at the end of the game. They did it. They hit tough shots. They won the game. And what did it come down to, Doug? It came it came down to a one-on-one play, like you said. And when you have McCollum and Lillard out there, but especially McCollum faced off against Jeremy Lamb, that's just not good. That's just not a good prescription for the Hornets to come out on top. And he couldn't stop him. He got he got the shot in. I think that put him back up five late. So essentially put it out of reach. But you you said it. I mean, they actually did get some stops uh in this game late, totally. obviously. To, you know, that's something they had not been able to do. But on the other end, just could not convert. I mean, a three-on-two fast break, Doug, after a Batum steal, uh-huh. this is a drill that you run from Little League basketball. I mean, and and not only could they not convert, I don't even think they got it up on the rim. Uh, no, uh, Harkless sent back. Yeah. Harkless sent it. Uh, Harkless sent uh, Jeremy Lamb's layup attempt back. I thought, I thought Lamb on that play – was sort of straddling the line between being available for a layup and and then spreading the floor and I think he was a little bit indecisive there when when I went back and watched it I really wished he would have spread it out and because Kimba was telling Nick to throw it to to Lamb but again looks all credit by the way I think Portland went out and won that game I think credit to Harkless who yeah. like you watch him get back on that play and he was just he was doing things that. I haven't necessarily seen all the Hornets do this season, how they got back in transition on that play. And then you had Nurkic taking advantage of the defense the Hornets were playing to take away Lillard and McCollum. Uh, Clifford was crediting Howard's pick-and-roll defense because, again, he was a big part Mm -hmm. of shutting those two guys down, keeping them away from the rim, both in terms of finishing and kicking out. They were able – what did they end up shooting from three in this one? Yeah, 29%, 9 of 31 for Portland, and they're a great three-point shooting team. So the Hornets hold them to 9 of 31. Uh, they, let's see, they don't get to the line enough, 14 of 17 for the Hornets. That's that's a staple of their offense. That You could point to that. But then 17 turnovers for Portland, 11 for the Hornets, so they win that battle. Second chance points, I'm sure they won that. No, Portland. Port, that's another key to the game. Yeah, Portland 
19 second chance points. Uh, that that probably hurt them uh, as well. But uh, I thought Portland made enough plays. Bottom line for me, David, I, I think this game was symbolic of, of, of a theme that we've seen all season, and that's that this Hornets team has not shown an ability to win a fist fight versus a good team. They can come out hot offensively and play just enough defense at the end of games to sneak a win against a team like Indiana, you know, when they scored 49 points in the first quarter, and then you saw them yeah. hold on, hold on, hold on till the end of the game. But that's like that's like hitting a bouncer in the back with a baseball bat and hoping that gives you enough time to run away. You know, that's not that's not winning a fight. That's that's just surprising a team and then holding on. Uh, if the Hornets get off to a slow start, they are most likely in for a struggle. And 23 wins this season, the Hornets are scoring nearly 30 points in the first quarter on 43% shooting from three. And their losses, 25 points on 37% from three. Now, you may say, Doug, that's a five-point margin. Not a huge margin. But then again, how many games have they lost by small margins? Yeah, all of them. <laughs> I mean, it feels like it. Right. Um, yeah, the, the crazy thing also about Kimba, Doug, I don't think he had a basket in the second half until he came back in with like six or seven minutes left to go in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and he struggled so in the first damage. and struggled in yeah. the third. Yeah, I mean, they're able to hold Portland to, what, 97 points in regulation? So, I mean, that's a that's a good defensive effort. Yeah, um, but you get you down. get nothing offensively from Graham. You get nothing from Zeller. You get nothing from Michael Carter-Williams. 0 of 2. Let's see, those guys combined were one of six from the field. And big minutes for Jeremy Lamb, 21 minutes. Uh, big minutes in overtime, 3 of 11 from the field. So, I mean, that's – to me, they played a good defensive game, just didn't have enough consistency in their offense and then gave uh, two really good chances in transition away in overtime, yeah. and that, that spelled the game. Yeah, and couldn't get any other really good shots. I mean, Kemba fumbled a ball away late – uh, in the game in regulation, I think that that you know a game deciding possession, and then it was the same old same old in the in the overtime. I know people were tired. I know he was tired. He was trying to make the smart play, and threw another one out to Lamb that ended up being a turnover. But man, they just can't execute uh, down the stretch when the, when it gets turned up all the way, and they rush Kemba and they make him make some of those decisions. There's just not another guy out there who's stepping up to either make a shot or create a sh an easy shot for someone else. And even when they do, fast break, they can't convert. It's uh, It's got to be frustrating. Hornets fall to 23-31 and 31 on the season, now four and a half games out of eighth, as the Sixers and the Pistons both continue to roll. And the Pistons, who are falling fast before that Blake Griffin deal, now yeah. look like they could string. They, they look, they're doing what Clifford – and the organization wanted the Hornets to do, uh, but the Hornets didn't go out and get a Blake Griffin. You know, I mean, they're making they the not. run. They can probably, I mean, I could see Detroit making a run to fifth, possibly even fourth, uh, if they continue playing at the high level that they're playing at right now. Uh, I could see the Hornets uh, falling into that, you know, top seven, top six pick in the draft if they continue yep. playing like they're playing. So that's yep, the situation. That's where we are. Yep, and, and unfortunately, they can still 
and you know historically win this road trip by splitting these but they can't afford to do that right now they need to win their road trips they need to win more than they lose and then they need to basically not lose again at home i mean that's the hole they've dug for yeah. themselves right now you know well, two tough matchups coming up too they've got uh, utah yeah. tonight and then uh, they travel back for a sunday matinee game starting at 1 p.m here in charlotte against Ooh. toronto so doesn't get any easier for the charlotte hornets but uh, there, you know, there's some things I think, look, if, if they're content on regrouping after this season and, and trying to make some minor adjustments, and then maybe you hope that a year with Kimba, Nick Batum, and then an offseason that you could truly start to put together the team that you wanted to before the Nick Batum injury, maybe that's the mentality. And, and so they're going to just use – I think you get to a certain point, if the run is not coming – then you start to de- maybe develop some guys and and try to you maybe Hernan Gomez gets more minutes down the stretch and, and you look towards the future. So we'll be here to cover it all here on Locked On Hornets. Always excited to talk about Hornets basketball. Thanks so much for listening to this edition of Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, give us a five-star review. It helps hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. First thing I'm going to ask in the locker room on Sunday is, is it Willie or is it Billy? i got to figure this <laughs> out for the fans out there. It's, I think it started as Willie and then became Billy Hernan Gomez. And then I think it's back to Willie or it might still be Billy. It's very confusing. <laughs> I'm going to figure it out. That's my <laughs> That's promise. It's my That's promise. It's <laughs> my promise to the listeners for sticking it out with us. I'm going to answer the hard questions about the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, shoot us your Hornets questions uh, to uh, Twitter at Locked On Hornets. We're back again next week on Monday to talk more Hornets. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.